Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're sitting in our sweltering yoga room here with the curtains closed. It's actually hot and sunny here in Bournemouth today. Just a slightly bit too hot and sunny, really, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm actually keeping my fingers crossed that the rain comes back soon. But enough of the weather report and on with the show. So you'll be delighted to hear that we are revisiting the Tao Te Ching again today. We're going to dive back into the mind of Lao Tzu. We are on, I think, having a look, chapter 79. So we're going to have a read through and then see what we think, as we normally do. But as a something a little bit different, something we only do sometimes, we're going to read two different translations today because they are quite different. And it's just it's just always interesting to have a look at like different ways that people have mm. uh, translated and interpreted the different chapters. Um, and also helps us not to get too fixated on just one translation or one idea or one particular way of interpreting something. So it's always it's mm. always good to look at a, a few different ways that different different ways that people have look, looked at it. Mm. All right then, so. Uh, which which one are we going to read first? Which I thought would I would the read the um, the Victor H Moyer, which is one that we use as a kind of a secondary backup, and the the, the primary one we've been using. I'll do that second. That's this um, the Elements Books translation, just translated by a team of people. Really, uh, Manho Kwok, Martin Palmer, Jay Ramsey. Uh, that's the one we've been using. It, it tends to be a bit more poetic, perhaps. But the, the, the Victor H. Mayer uses a more recently discovered manuscript, which is thought to have some kind of authority. It was discovered in the, the 60s. and Things are in a different order as well. Uh. And uh, it's very interesting, actually, the, the significance of this particular new manuscript. You know, the, the the dirging that was found, but of course that's a that's a, a whole other area. That's the area of scholarship and text and archaeology and all the rest of it. We're we're actually looking for some stimulus <laughs> to our uh, political, psychological, spiritual, cultural thought. All right, so I'm going to read f firstly from the, as I said the Victor H Mayer translation. 79. 79 in the old format, 44 in this format. Here we go. Compromise with great resentment will surely yield lingering resentment. How can this be seen as good? For this reason the sage holds the debtor's side of a contract and does not make claims upon others. Therefore, the man of integrity attends to his debts. The man without integrity attends to his exactions. The way of heaven is impartial, yet is always with the good person. Okay, I shall now look at the Elements Books translation and you'll see the difference. If you've had a real set to with someone and you've tried to patch it up and there's still some bitterness, what can you do? 
I tell you, repay bitterness with good. Those who practice Tay virtue, hold credit, but don't demand repayment. Those who practice virtue do their bit, and those without it will expect you to. The Doe of Heaven doesn't deal in nepotism. It just graces good people, like it always has and always will. So quite different there, like uh, mm. very, uh, I think uh, it's getting quite colloquial in the second one. Yeah. Almost like, I, I like the way it says there, um, if you've had a, a set two with someone, like yes. you've had a terrible punch up and, and yeah, you know, um, yes. and then you try and patch it up. It's very, it's just like the way their language and everything is really, really different, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Although the last lines are quite the same. Yeah, but the the the, the sentiment I think has been caught there. Um, because basically, what they what are they about? They're both about debt. Mm. But it's debt in the broadest sense. And uh, virtue tie. The elements guys just use tie, you know, it just comes straight from the Chinese virtue. Uh, or integrity, the other guy translated as in integrity, involves, in, in, in the popular mind at least, paying your debts, honouring your debts. Yeah. And sees that as an obligation, as a social duty, as a moral duty, as a spiritual duty, you know, pay your debts, pay your debts. And Lao Tzu is recommending, again, as a matter of character, as a matter of the ideal character, as a matter of the ideal way a human being is in the world, he's recommending a particular orientation towards debt and credit. Now, I don't think it just means money debt. I think it means obligation. I think he, he, he's, he's a very broad thinker, he's Lao Tzu. You know, the thing about, about his work is it really, it really, he takes a bird's eye view on human life very often. Or the view of that little figure in the paintings, in the great Dewey's paintings, a tiny little figure, quarter of an inch, two brush strokes on a six foot canvas. <laughs> but sitting on the edge of the void, contemplating that the mist rolling in the great empty valley, the great drop, uh, um, the the great the great drops and the great the great heights of, of, of mountain country. It's that kind of a view, that bird's eye view. And for that for that reason, I kind of take it that debt means something rather broader. You know, it, 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 and, and this is this is the way debt is actually understood in a, in in a great many cultures as something much wider than just a matter of money, lending somebody some money or paying your mortgage or this kind of stuff. Somebody like Nietzsche, who you don't think of as an e economic thinker particularly, he doesn't have a lot to say about <laughs> all that stuff. 
nevertheless plays a great deal of attention to debt for this, this very reason and, it, and points out just how pr primordial it is. And you might actually think of something like the Lord's Prayer in our culture, in our so-called kind of Judeo-Christian post-enlightenment, whatever the, the fuck it, it is that's masquerading as a culture over here. Um, also places death centre stage, you know. Our Father who art in heaven, blah, blah, blah. And it's, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, is the word. It's debts, debts, trespasses. Uh, if you get caught robbing a bank and found guilty because the evidence is all stacked up against you and you go to prison, you are, in the colloquial sense, repaying your debt to society. So, so debt is, is this, this kind of obligation. I mean, again, Nietzsche points something very, very interesting out about the word debt, because in, in, of course he's writing in German, and in medieval German, in old German, old Germanic languages, debt, schuld, is the same as the word for sin. Just as it is in the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts. Just as we forgive them who, who trespass against us, just as we forgive our credit, our, our debtors, you know. So we have we have this 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 notion of, of the primordiality of human obligation towards society and towards other humans, that's un, understood in the sense of credit and debt. That there's an exchange, you know. And, and all of this is equated in Lao Tzu's view with, with virtue, or that there is a virtuous way of dealing with the matter of debt, or that there's a way, as the other translator gives it, of having integrity within the world of debt. And for Lao Tzu, it's rather counterintuitive, and also, I would say, um, anti-capitalistic, anti <laughs> because he's, he, he's, he's saying... Be hyper alert to your obligations to society and to other people, to anybody you owe, you owe anything to, whether spiritually or whether it's a matter of paying your mortgage off or your loan or the tenor that you lent me this morning, I'll give it you back. You know, all of that stuff, which in many ways kind of keeps the world going, you know. So it's kind of the basis of a certain type of civilization. Definitely, is, is debt and the fact that people will pay them. If nobody honoured their debts, it would all fall apart. Which, of course, is what happened in two thousand and eight. Nobody honoured their debts because they couldn't. They didn't have the money to pay it. Basically, because they've been tricked into borrowing it in the first place. Which is you get you see even at the lending end, you can have a lack of integrity, a lack of tie, a lack of virtue unscrupulous lending, it's called predatory lending, which is what happened in Greece a few, a few, a few years ago, when the Greek, Greek economy collapsed. The Greeks had been, had, had been uh, uh, subjected to predatory lending by French and German banks, whereby they just basically wouldn't stop badgering people until they borrowed money. Mm. <laughs> you know? And then of course nobody could pay it back and after 2009 and the whole thing kind of collapses. And it turns out there's no mechanisms for kind of really dealing with it, you know, with IMF, which is a branch of the Pentagon. <laughs> it's a branch of the war machine, the IMF, you know. It's war by other means. World Bank, 
and the 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 EU central bank gang up gang up on them and say, well, you've got to sell, you've got to cut your pensions, you've got to cut your social security payments, your welfare state, your healthcare, you've got to cut your infrastructure, your investments, and da 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 da, and then we'll bail you out, you know, having got them in the position in the first place. So Lao Tzu is aware that the 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 there's the integrity or the lack of it or or virtue or the lack of it plays a great great part in the functioning of, of an economy but also the functioning of a social economy you know in the in the debts and obligations that are unspoken in in everyday life the backwards and the forwards the promises again this is nature i think this is a great economic insight on the part part of nature that that I think Marxists need to to understand. If we're going to philosophise with a hammer and sickle, you know, um, this is something we need need to understand. And it is that the promise and the ability to keep promises is keeps the world spinning. They say love makes the world go around. No, it's the fact that people keep their promises makes the world go around. You know, and of course, a debt is a promise to repay. Actually, look at a, at a banknote, certainly a British banknote, an English, a GB pound, well, five pound or a ten pound banknote. He says, I promise to pay, I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of one pound sterling, whatever it is. So a banknote is a promissory note. It's a promise, you know, because basically it's an IOU, it's a debt, it's a debt note, you know, and... So we've got this kind of complex of things that Lao Tzu, you can tell, instinctively understands of promising obligations, social obligations, familial obligations, spiritual obligations, and money, the economy, the great material economy, yeah. uh, which relies on credit and debt. Yeah. And he's saying, he, he, he's saying, that the, the attitude of the ideal person or the sagacious person, the sage, because remember all these recipes of how to be a sage so that you may advise rulers on all matters of, of concern to rulers. And so he's saying that the character of the sage, his central concern, is such that he has a, a, a particular relationship to this whole conundrum, to this whole caboodle of debt, promising, honouring debts, credit, and so on. That, that the sage has a very special attitude towards that, and that it's, it's over and above that required of, of, of the citizen. It's over and above. It's a higher standard that he wants to extract from the sage. And it is that the sage will always pay his debts, always keep his promises. Absolutely scrupulous about that. And, and that is the... That is, that is the Almost the definition, you know, or the centre point of the person's sagehood is that they keep their promises and they honour their debts, right? But when, when people owe them something, they, 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 they shrug, they forget it, you know, they, they don't, you know. They lend, the mate, they, they lend the mate a quid on a Friday night, fully knowing well that he's not going to pay it back because he, he won't have the money. You know, and you could have a fight with them about it, or you could just carry on being mates. You know, and he, he, he kind of, he borrowed a quid of you when he wanted a drink, and he couldn't, couldn't pay it. You know, couldn't pay it back, and he shrug. You know, and he is this, this, this attitude, and uh, 
there's something to be said said for it actually you know because what it implies is that the, the sage this person this imaginary person with this wonderful personality structure has really got like a great abundance of spirit you know and a great abundance of being that they don't need to worry about what people owe them and also such a person is not going to lend in that predatory way like the French and the German banks did to the Greeks in order to in order to actually to capture them and then to extract a pound of flesh from them which of course is what they did I mean they immiserated the country and and, and uh, marched off with all of its wealth you know so I think he's right. I think this is this is the, this is the this is the correct attitude. But it can only it can only be fully embodied by somebody who has a tremendous abundance, you know. But that is the point of the Davis meditation, that it gives one that abundance of spirit. You have so much spirit, so much can do that goes along with the spirit. That you you you, you don't you don't have to be pursuing your creditors uh, vehemently. Stridently and officiously, you don't have to. It's an interesting point that, that Michael Hudson has been working on on this for years. He was one of the few credible economists in the world today. Michael Hudson don't go along with everything that, that he says, but it, he's an economist who's, who's put a great focus on debt and uh, and the history of debt right the way back to Babylonian times and. Uh, his idea is that is that we should still be doing what the Babylonian kings or whoever did in ancient times, which is about every seven years they would declare what's called a jubilee. This is the true meaning of the word jubilee, and a jubilee is is uh, a period of time, a few months, when all debts are cancelled across the economy. It's cancelled. We start we start from scratch again. Instead, and those people realised if you didn't do that, your currency just quickly just inflated into vapour, you know. And a lot of the troubles we're having now are debt troubles, because 2008 was the whole thing was was the debt system misfire, misfiring, you know, because of a lack of tie or virtue, as described by Lao on the part of uh, our great finance capitalists, you know, who to my mind are, are a reprehensible uh, gang of, of people. To, to whom we are all hostage, you know. But my, Michael Hudson's thing is, well, we just we we make an institution of jubilees again, and of course, uh, Lao Tzu is saying that the sages are one man jubilee. You know, sages are one man jubilee. You know, so again, it's it's all done with with, with quite a degree of rhetoric, you know, and. Um, and, and, and so forth but I think as, as an orientation to life it's a very very good recommendation that he's giving us and it, it is be abundant find that find that abundance and it, abundance doesn't mean money property cars it means a tremendous energy and love and harmonious integration with existence in as much as one can that's that's right at the heart of, of, of the personality and the the character, and the the the, the commitment to have that abundance 
there's many side effects one of which is that we can we can have this very very generous attitude to our fellows and to and to, to what they owe us okay folks i hope everyone found that interesting hopefully a little bit useful as well now before we finish i just want to say a few things about our new upcoming project with the the zoom talks that pete's going to do we're on to make an exciting announcement we have finally come up with uh, a theme and dates for the live talks that we've been promising you for such a long time now so Pete's going to be delivering these talks and we're going to be doing it on Sunday afternoons because we feel that that would be a nice quiet time for people to be able to take some time out of the week and engage with the, the topics. So I'm just going to give you the dates. We're going to start on Sunday the 15th of October from 1 till 3 o'clock, that's our time in Britain. And then the 22nd of October, the 29th, then the 5th of November, and then the last one, the 12th of November, it's going to be just a general discussion, questions and, and answers, just to ramble around and the, the ideas presented in the talks. And you can ask Pete the questions that you, the burning questions, which I'm sure you'll have. So the four talks are all going to be interlocking and interrelated. So we've decided that we're going to present them as a course and charge 20 quid for the the full four but each one will stand alone so if you do miss one uh, don't let that put you off coming to the rest or even the you know, the, the the live discussion one which is the the fifth the fifth one at the end so the theme of this course is going to be the apocalypse and you so a bit of a humorous title for a serious topic but many things to say about it and we hope that Everything that's going to be presented in these talks will be of, of great help to you and interest to you on a very personal level, but also in a way which will be useful in how you interact with the world. So self and world, we wanted it to be quite as complete as possible. So we put a lot of thought into this. So I'm going to pass you over to Dr Yates and he's going to give you an overview of the whole course and then break down week by week what it is that we're going to do. I'm greatly looking forward to doing this with you. Yeah it's going to be nice to interact with people isn't it? Yeah. Finally. Yeah. This series of live talks is designed to help you to navigate the apocalyptic tenor of our contemporary world or as we say on the street the way in which everything is going to shit. Rather than presenting a dogmatic doctrinaire conclusion about what is actually going on or offering you a self-help panacea for, for your psychological ills we hope instead to identify and ask the relevant questions this is the starting point of any inquiry find the right question and from there we'll move on to suggesting how you yourself might fruitfully engage with those questions the first talk is entitled The Apocalypse and You, which is also the title of the entire course. And that's where we outline the problem. Uh, the problem has many sub-problems, many aspects, uh, amongst which uh, we'll be considering uh, the question, why are we even talking this way? Is there indeed 
a looming apocalypse or, or are we the prey to fear-mongering? We also ask the question of what responses do we actually find in the world, in our universe of discourse, to the the ideas that are being put out that, that, that are certain sort of doom-laden doom scenarios unfolding, ecological collapse and so forth. So what are we being told about that itself by the various media? From there it's, it becomes necessary to ask how such ideas are circulated. How do they get to us? What's going on? Who pays? What's the money set up? What's, what 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 ideologically is at stake in, in the various games of trying to attract our attention? So how are such ideas circulated? And then also, of necessity, we then have to engage with this other question of how one discerns which stories, if any, are trustworthy or untrustworthy. How do we decide the trustworthiness of what we're told of a story? And that's a, that is a biggie in this day and age. So that that that's the first. That's what the first talk will cover. All all of those, and then in in talk two we examine the subjective aspects of all this so-called subjective. In in other words, we examine the lived experience of people, of individual people, in this situation that we're outlining, and we'll be concentrating there on the so-called negative emotions of anger, fear, hatred and so on, and on the condition of ignorance. At this point we introduce the idea of a positive trauma, uh, which is something very intense that happens to you that changes you, but changes you in a good way, as opposed to giving you PTSD or whatever. And uh, we suggest that, the, that these very intense experiences, positively traumatising experiences, uh, have, a, have a very core role in intense spiritual experience. That's the, that's the second talk. The third talk, we just simply ask Socrates his root question, how is life to be lived? And we examine Socrates' contention that an unexamined life is not worth living. The fourth and final talk, we introduce the yoga discipline of letting be with bright awareness. And we relate that discipline to the questions we've engaged with in the previous talks. In other words, from the perspective of... of uh, the discipline and the results of the discipline how do the questions we've been asking look what do they look like how do we entertain them how do they how do they register with us given that we might be entertaining a yogic state of being through this discipline and then there is as Anna mentioned a final session where we'll, we'll engage in general discussion Q&A and so forth there, there is going to be a, uh, the last half hour of every uh, yeah. talk there's going to be like a Q&A session yes, then yeah. too yeah, there will so. be a Q&A for each of the four talks but the, the fifth session will be a much a much more open general general discussion but obviously with a Q&A element so that's that's what's going to happen if you want to express an interest now that would be great and we, we would welcome it and your best bet is to email me at my email address which you can find on the podbean heart yoga page which is peteyates.podbean.com uh, you can find the, my email address there uh, but i'm going to say it to you now because it's easy to remember my email address is info at peteyates.uk info 
at Pete Yates, one word, lowercase, no spaces, dot UK. Not dot co dot UK, dot UK. And please, please get in touch and tell me that you're interested. So in, 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 within the next week, I, I will uh, have a page, a website page, with all the details of this talk, how to pay, how to log in, how to use Zoom if you haven't used it before, and so on. Everything you need will be there, and including a summary of what we're going to cover as well. Oh, and just uh, the reason we haven't put a live link to the to Pete's email is because whenever we do that, Pete's like drowns in spam, yeah. don't you? So yeah. uh, that's that's the reason that uh, we haven't just put like a, a, oh, yeah. a live link to your email address yeah, in yeah. the the right up yeah. underneath this podcast. Anyway, folks, I hope that sounds interesting to everybody. It took us quite a long time to come up with that, so I think it will be a true work of art. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I hope you're all well and on with the podcast.